this is Felice, your host of The Cell. I invite you to listen to our program every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. I would also like to thank you for listening to Community Radio on WGRN LP 94.1 FM, Columbus. I'd like to welcome our listeners back. We have with us today Ms. Deborah Armstrong. Deborah happened to have worked for Franklin County Children's Services. That's where I met her at at an event that they had held. I also like to welcome my host today, Mr. Ernest Kelly and Stephanie Thomas. Hi, Deborah. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you. Hello. Welcome, Deborah. Yeah. So, Deborah, could you please share a little bit about yourself and as being the mother to Jan? Okay. Um, yeah, my son's name was Jan Armstrong, and um, you know he was my oldest child. We have three children. And he was born um, with sickle cell disease. He wasn't diagnosed with sickle cell until he was four years old. Um, he had just started getting very lethargic and crying and complaining about pain, and he actually stopped walking. And so we took him to the hospital, and they ran tests, and we later found out that he had sickle cell. And then, you know, after that, we just started. We became linked with a Children's Hospital Sickle Cell Clinic, we had um, really good doctors there, nurses and staff to really support us and help us along the way. And I think we mainly just began educating ourselves uh, about sickle cell disease and just trying to learn as much as we could so that we could support our son. And um, he um, was very active, you know, in school and, you know, our family. We had a lot of family support, all my siblings and my family, my parents a mother, and everyone just provided support to us as we struggled because sickle cell is something that not only affects that child, but it involves the entire family, and it changes the whole family dynamic. And so we tried to keep Jan active in as many activities as he could tolerate, and he was very successful. You know, he became involved with, as he got older with the Ohio Sickle Cell Health Association, and he became a spokesperson for that organization. Um, he went on through school, graduated from high school um, with honors, went on to college, received his uh, bachelor's degree from the Ohio State University. Um, then he went on to attend Otterbein College to get his teaching um, certification. But he was, you know, had a very successful life. He was a teacher. He was a model. He was an actor. He was a spokesperson for sickle cell. And he really just did a lot um, until finally he succumbed to to the disease um, at the age of uh, 30. So he was okay. born in 1971 and he passed away in 2002. So I was going to ask how old, you know, what year uh, was he born in? So that was in 1974 when you found out that he had. 1970, uh, yeah. Yeah, because he was four years old when you found out, correct? Yeah. So they didn't have mandatory testing at that time. So I can no. see why, you know, you were trying to. And then the, were the doctors very informative when they did discover what he, um, you know, what his condition was? Well, they didn't know a lot about sickle cell back then, you know, and the doctors didn't really know. We just happened to have a doctor who was familiar with the disease, um, who kind of knew what it was, you know, he from just kind of looking at Jan's symptoms 
And so that was very helpful. But we had to do a lot of educating ourselves um, and just reading more about it and talking to people and learning more about it on our own. So the doctors really just did not know that much. The hospital staff didn't know that much. And so we kind of learned along the way. And then we started receiving some support and help from the Ohio Simple Cell Health Association um, and their staff. And, you know, they got gained some more information that way. First of all, thank you so much for sharing your story about your son and about uh, about your family as well and how it, it, it affected and impacted your your family, as you said. Um, but I just wanted to know, I know you mentioned the doctors didn't really know much about sickle cell disease, um, but whenever you reached out to different agencies or other doctors, what were some of the resources that they provided for you at the time, or was it no resources available? Um, how was that experience once your son was diagnosed? Well, as so I said before, that there wasn't really much information that the doctors provided to us until we were linked with a Children's Hospital, and they had an actually hematology clinic. And the doctor that we had, Dr. Deal Grossman, he was very good, and then he had a nursing staff, and they provided us with a lot of information. Um, help to to help us just understand more about the disease, and um, then as I said before, a lot of the research we did on our own. But um, by Children's Hospital having a designated hematology clinic and a sickle cell clinic, that made a big big difference in how much we learned about the disease. Our main with medical staff was going in through the emergency rooms because right. the emergency room staff. They were not familiar with sickle cell disease at all. And when you had a child coming in in a crisis, in extreme pain, they just did not understand the need, you know, the need to hydrate him, the need to really get him on some kind of, well, strong pain medication just to get some relief. They didn't understand anything about it. So every time we would go into the emergency room, we would have to educate the doctors and the staff about his care. And even when he was hospitalized, we would have to educate the staff on how to provide the adequate care for him and let them know that what he required, because one thing about the excruciating pain caused by a sickle cell crisis, they could not understand why he needed so much pain uh, medication. And that was always a challenge. Was the hospital supportive when when you guys would try to educate them um, about you know, sickle cell, like how was their response typically? Well, we were fortunate, as I said before, in that at Children's, we were able to to be able to, um, we had a good doctor and we had a good nursing team and they understood. So it worked out fine. I want to echo Stephanie's, uh, what she was saying, uh, I know about your, about you sharing your story and I'm, my condolences about your son passing. I had a, a good friend that passed with it right after we got out of high school in the early 70s. And uh, I got a niece that has it really bad right now. She's only about five years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, do any of your uh, other children have sickle cell? And was, and 
um, your your son that passed was he is he the oldest? And how do you spell yes, his Yon. name? His name Y O N Yon. Yes, he was the oldest, oh. and and my middle son um, he has the trait, and my daughter, the youngest, she her blood her blood um, is normal. What was his quality of life when he was uh, going through the? Uh, sickle cell before he passed? Did he miss a lot of work? Well, it kind of, he started out when he was younger at elementary school and, and, and middle school. He was, his quality of life was good. He wasn't able to participate in certain sports that were, you know, that caused a lot of exertion. And of course, swimming, you know, in cold water, um, you know, extreme temperature changes, winters were hard. But he learned to do other activities. I said, but he he was an avid reader. He was great in school. He did acting. He did modeling. Public speaking, and he started having other a lot of physical problems after puberty, after the age of twelve. Um, the disease started affecting more of his organs. He had to have his gallbladder removed, and he had to have a lot more transfusions. Um, as he got older, the sickle cell crisis would be more extreme and longer. He would have a crisis that would last several weeks or even a month. And so that would affect, of course, his his job. He was fortunate to be able to get positions. He became a substitute teacher, and so that allowed for flexibility in working. And then even in school, even in college, he had flexibility in that area too because his professors understood and and it was just fortunate that he was a great student. But he had um he had a real good quality of life growing up, considering dealing with the challenges of sickle cell disease. And as I said before, having the support of family and friends and just having people understand exactly what he was going through um made a big difference. Thank you. When your son was born, were you and your husband aware that either one of you were carriers of the... uh... No, we had no idea. We had no idea that sickle cell ran in our family, that anybody carried the trait. We did not know. We didn't expect that at all. Now, were you both SS or one of you SC? Um, SS. Okay. We both carried the trait. Okay. And when you were coming up, did you ever uh, feel that you had any physical complications or anything from carrying it as being uh, the S trait? No, not at all. We had no clue <laughs> that there was any type of sickle cell trait or anything in our family until Yang was diagnosed and then we got tested. But until then, and then other family members, some of our other family members got tested, too, and found out that they had to trade on both sides. But we had no clue. Yeah, that's how me and uh, my husband found out when Faith went. We found out that uh, it ran, you know, uh, in our families and stuff like that. Well, I had the C trait, which I never, you know, knew at that time that an S and a C could connect uh, the cause of form of sickle cell. Mm-hmm. Uh, did Jan have any kids? No. No, he never got married, did not have any children. He never wanted to really um, have children because he was just 
concerned about passing on the disease to a child. Excuse me for a minute. We need to take an identification break. Hi, this is Ernest Kelly with the Faith Thomas Foundation. You're listening to The Cell on 94.1 FM, WGRN, and WGRN.org worldwide. Listen to us every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. So I pers- I also have sickle cell traits, and uh-huh. I just wanted to, because I know that you say your daughter has a trait. Has she experienced my any son? My son has a trait. Mm-hmm. Oh, your son. I'm so sorry. Okay, you said your that's your middle son. Yeah. Okay. Um, and how old is he? He's a, he's in his 30s now. He's 36. Okay. Um, has he him having the trait? Um, has he experienced any symptoms or any changes um, in his quality of life or anything along those lines? No. Okay. No, Detroit has not affected him in any way. That's a blessing. Yes, it is. You know, he's been fine. No problems. And he's he's a um and he grew up, you know, being very athletic, played all the sports, very active football, baseball, basketball, track. So he's never had any issues at all. Yeah, so so did I. I actually played basketball myself all my life and, and did sports all in high school, but I played basketball professionally after mm-hmm. college and I, I actually didn't I, I didn't find out I had the trait until I was eighteen years old and I was in college. Mm-hmm. Um kind wow. of how I found out. Um uh, but I had somewhat of I, I don't wanna say an episode, but I definitely have, have felt symptoms at like real high altitudes or um, oh, yeah. If I'm extremely dehydrated, that's that's always when I've noticed. Um, so I was just curious to know just how your son has he had, what his experience has been with the trait. Yeah, he's been fine. Thank the Lord. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Deborah, I see where you were with children's services. Uh, in your uh, work life there, how did uh, you guys handle uh, children that that had sickle cell or did you, um, or or was it a, a issue at all? Oh, with children's services? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the children, um, when they would come into children's services care in the, in the foster home, we would link the foster parents up to services so that they would know how to um, make sure that the child received the support and the help that they need. And actually, I would speak to, I was like a liaison for some of the parents and the families that came through Children's Services just to help educate them and link them to, you know, the House Local Cell Health Association or to Children's Hospital. And so we would just try, just like if a child would come into care in our care with any any medical issue or disease, um, we'd link link them up to the support in the community that they needed. Deborah, uh, what's I didn't really ask you? So I see that you retired back in 2019. Was that retirement kind of also brought on by the COVID, uh, or were you planning on no. leaving at that time anyhow? Oh, I had planned on leaving way before COVID hit. Yes, I had been with the agency over 36 years, and my plan was to leave um, at before the end of 2019. And because um, COVID hadn't really hit in until, you know, early in 2020. So, yes, it was my time to leave. 
so what are you doing with your extra time? Well, now, um, well, I really had planned. I had several trips planned in 2020. I was ready to travel because that's what I love to do. But I had to cancel my trips and kind of slow my roll a little bit. And so basically, I just um, take time for myself. You know, I go work out and just do things to to help out. I'm active in my church and just kind of do things for myself, things around my house, just to keep busy. I know that feeling. I can't wait till I sound yes. retire, retire. And I have yeah. grandchildren, you know, help support the grandchildren and my and my my own children, my son and my daughter and other family members. So that's what I do. <laughs> I really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your story and sharing the story of your son Jan and um my condolences to you as well. Uh but thank you. Thank you so much for again, it, it helps to bring awareness and educate people and just to see how far research and just medicine and the education and the knowledge have come from back in the 70s when your son was diagnosed to now having it to be mandatory testing you know that's that's a blessing to be able to now be in in that situation um so thank you again so much for for sharing your story Oh, yes, and I'm glad to share. And, you know, I still share, um, you know, information about sickle cell. You know, because most of my church family knows and people that I know um, in the community, they know about Jan and, and what we went through. And so I'm always willing just to share and kind of educate people about it. And, you know, especially I have several, you know, church members and family friends who have their own members who are affected by sickle cell disease and but we just have to support each other and until there's cure. But, yes, there, we have come a long way in the research and, and the progress on behalf of this disease compared to back when we first became involved back in the 70s. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. Yeah, Rossiva, you've got a, a massive, massive screen in journalism? Yes. Did that mean you are... You've you've written some books or articles, and you're also a minister? I'm a minister. I haven't written books, but I did a lot of writing. Um, You know, for my job, I was communications director for children's services, so I did all the writing, newsletters, news releases, stories, interviews. I worked for a newspaper for a little while as a reporter and an editor, and I am a minister at my church uh, for the Calling Post. And the Columbus Post oh. newspapers. Oh, okay. Is and I've still, still, do they still publish Columbus Post? I in Cleveland they do, but we don't have a Columbus edition anymore. Oh, that's too bad. But yes, and I'm a minister. Um, I, I'm one of the elders at Higher Ground, always abounding assemblies. So I've been preaching for a while, and um, just serving the community. That's my heart you know, just to serve and to help others. Well, thank you for for sharing that. You're welcome. Deborah, is there anything that you would like to say to our listeners? Um, I would just like to say, you know, it always helps to not only educate yourself, but but your your family member who is um, impacted by sickle cell disease. Because one thing that we had to teach Jan was to be able to advocate for yourself. If you know know about the disease, know about your pain, know about your medications, and 
always be able to speak up and to tell others who don't understand the disease. There's so there's still so many stigmas about sickle cell. Um, you know, it's drug seeking, and then they see the jaundice eyes and other things, and so they try to attach stigmas to you. But we had to teach John to speak up for himself and to know to know yourself, know your body, and uh, to be able to be a strong advocate. And also another thing that I've learned, too, is say yes, because you need support. And I know sometimes I would be so independent. Um, even after my husband passed, it was just, you know, me and my immediate family caring for, for, for my son. And so, and people would say, well, how can we help? People want to help if they generally care, genuinely care about you. So learn how to say yes and take that support because you're going to need it. Because, you know, dealing with a child affected by this disease, especially when it's chronic, it can be really draining. So don't be afraid to say yes. Okay, now, um, I like to piggyback off of what Stephanie was saying, you know, how far sickle cell has come, because when I think about uh, back in the 70s when uh, Jan was born, you know, like you said, you really mm-hmm. had to educate yourself. And then if we mm-hmm. fast forward and come up to, like, if I have to go on uh, when my daughter was born and Ernie has to go on in regards to his friend that he grew up with, you know, just mm-hmm. various different uh, technologies or, you know, medical improvements that were made, even now to this day, you know, like you said, there's not a cure, but they have gene therapy and they have, yeah. you know, um, bone marrow transplants. Yeah. So those aren't universal cures, but there's still, there are some success stories, but even with those success stories, people don't realize that those individuals still have develop other issues on both sides of it. And so when they say that, oh, it's a cure or that, you know, someone has been cured, there's a whole lot behind the scenes on that, uh, that people are just not aware of that now that they've gotten rid of the, the, the S trait, that there's other medical conditions that have, that individual has developed. So uh, we hope to learn more as we continue on. And we are, so glad that you decided to come on and share your son with us and we hope that we will see you in the future at some point uh volunteering doing something along that line so uh, Mm -hmm. once again thank you no problem i was happy to be able just to come share anytime just call me okay (laughs) (laughs) i will you're one of our resident experts (laughs) yeah Have no to problem. See if I can talk you into coming and helping Ernie out at a booth somewhere when we have our fair. Uh, that might I be something I would consider. I've been talking about Ernie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've been throwing that Ernie's name out there. But um, no, we uh, do appreciate you coming on today. With that being said, this is Felice, your host. Peace out. The Faith Thomas Foundation would like to thank you for listening to The Cell. We broadcast on WGRN 94.1 FM every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. You can also stream us live on Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. on WGRN 94.1. For more information on the Faith Thomas Foundation, please visit our website, Facebook, and follow us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is Faith Thomas. 
F-D-N.